0: We've been in a series over the last several weeks that we are wrapping up today. We've been in a series entitled Upside Down. And what we've been learning is that Jesus did not come to establish a kingdom that added to our lives. He did not come to add to our old way of thinking. He did not come to improve our old way of being. He didn't come to be an addition to your life. As a matter of fact, he didn't come to improve your old life. He actually came to impact us with a new one, a brand new one. Hence, the scripture reveals that he came to turn our lives completely upside down. And I want to go back to where we started with this particular um, series. In Romans chapter 14, starting at verse 17, I want you to consider what the scriptures reveal, reveal here. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. Let's just pause right there for a moment. What the scripture is actually denoting here is that the kingdom of God is not a matter of outward experience alone. It's not something that's just a meant that's just meant to impact you outwardly. In fact, it's supposed to impact us inwardly first. And so the scripture goes on to say, the kingdom of God is one of righteousness, of peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, it goes on to say, because anyone who serves Christ in this way, listen closely, in this way, this is the person who's pleasing to God and receives human approval. We could put verse 17 back up. I want you to see what this way is. There is a manner of life that goes far beyond just church attendance, just reading the Bible, just claiming to be a follower of Christ, there is a manner of life that is supposed to completely transform us. And according to the scriptures, that life is one of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we if you haven't had a chance to dig into this series, I strongly encourage you, go back to our YouTube page, check it out. I I don't have a lot of time to dig into this, but what I will say is this. And go back, and you'll see in in greater detail. When the Bible talks about righteousness here, it's not talking about right actions. It's not talking about behavior modification. No, the Scripture says this, that Jesus Christ became sin that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So what is the Scripture telling us? That when the Scripture's talking about righteousness here, it's talking about a brand-new identity. It's talking about a right standing with God that impacts our lives and makes everything quite all right, to be honest with you, right? When it talks about peace... The scripture tells us in Ephesians 6 that we have been shod with the gospel shoes of peace. In other words, peace is a pathway for life. You should be anticipating the peace of God wherever you go. You should be expecting the peace of God that transcends all understanding to guard your heart and your mind. You should be anticipating that because the peace of God is with you, you can experience better things in life. And when the scripture talks about... uh, Joy in the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. It's not talking about a shimmy, ladies and gentlemen. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You went to that church that I went to, but I never saw you there. Right? The church that I grew up in, right? joy in the Holy Ghost was a little shimmy. right? And then we, we threw in a little uh, a tambourine. Yes, that's like a curse word in my mouth. Um, look, I'm not knocking it, but it's just it, I, I grew up in a very legalistic uh, uh, upbringing. And it really confused my understanding of relationship with God. I was told that Jesus loved me, but every week I had to repent because I was going to hell every week. That's not the grace of God. That's not how this kingdom works. So this joy in the Holy Spirit is speaking of a fruit of relationship with God. It's a divine connection to God. The scripture puts it this way, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? And so it's a byproduct of relationship with God. So what we're seeing here is that the kingdom of God provides us an entirely new life. But the thing about it is this. We cannot have this new life if we bypass its starting point. And I want you to consider with me the scriptures, the words of the Lord Jesus himself as it pertains to this starting point. Starting in verse 15 of Matthew 16, the Lord, it says that he, meaning the Lord Jesus, said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So here's, here's the background on this. Here's the context for this. Jesus is with the disciples and he says to them, hey, who do people say that I am? And the disciples say, ooh, 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 I know, I know. Some people say that you are John the Baptist reincarnated. That you came back as John the Baptist. You have the spirit of John the Baptist upon you. Others, others say, hey, that you're, you're Elijah the prophet incarnate. And then Jesus says this to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I want you to wrestle with that question for a minute. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? And I want you to see the implication, the power of understanding who Jesus is in your understanding. It goes on to say that he said to them that Peter replied, you are the Christ, you are the Son Of of God, the son of the living God. In verse 17, it goes on to say that Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And so something has just happened here. Peter gets a revelation and understanding that transforms his mindset, his belief, his heart. And it goes on to say in verse 18 that Jesus said to him, and I tell you, That you are Peter. And that on this rock, what rock? What you have just received is revelation. On On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But then watch what happens in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Do you realize what Jesus has just said? He says, I am giving you access. access. I'm giving you keys to do something with. And look at what he says. He says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth yes, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In essence, what Jesus is saying here is, Peter, because you understand this great revelation, because you know who I am, you now have keys. And with these keys, you unlock the doors that bring heaven to earth. And when you show up, I show I up. Show up. Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Who do you say Jesus is? Today, I want to talk to you on the topic, who do you say I am? And when I, when I ask that question, it's not me, guys. Oftentimes, we look to people because of titles, because of positions they hold. No, 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 no. Who do you say Jesus is? The implication here is powerful because notice that when Peter got a revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus says, because you know this, Peter, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. And I dare say, in light of the words of Jesus, oftentimes the reason why we find ourselves in some messes and we create some as well is because we forget who Jesus is. We forget the one who's walking with us. It creates some real issues. And so, again, who do you say Jesus is in your life? Is he bless me, Jesus? Is he love me, Jesus? Is he forgive me, Jesus? Is he emergency insurance policy, Jesus? Or is he Jesus Lord, Jesus Master, Jesus King. Yes, See, who we say, who we believe Jesus to be determines who we are, what we do, and where we go in life. Yeah. Okay. It also determines if Satan actually has access to wreak havoc in your life. Not my opinion. Peace, Pastor. The word of God. Peace. And so I remember years ago, maybe you've heard me talk about him. This was like my hero when I was growing up. In my younger years, my uncle Carlos, Tio Carlos, uh, was a giant in my eyes, man. This guy was a dude's dude. He had a vomit green Chevy Nova with the fat racing tires. Now, vomit green was a thing back then. Grover was vomit green for crying out loud, right? Some of you, you're too old for Sesame Street. Some of you, you're too young for Sesame Street. I get it. I'm telling on myself, but he had a vomit green Chevy Nova with the fat tires. He had the dice hanging on the mirror, right, right, with the with the with the felt cover on the wheel, right. And it was it was done up, vomit green seats, right, and he was he was just like this giant in my eyes. He wore the those those flashy uh, bell bottoms, right had the crease going on, and it opened wide up, right? He wore the shirt, right, real tight, rolled up his sleeves, right? Not advocating that you should smoke, but he, should put, he would put his sneakers, his sneakers, his cigarettes, in his, in his sleeve, and he was just a dude. Wore the Ray-Ban, you know, uh, shades and all that. He was, he was my hero. I admired him. And then something crazy happened. I got to about the age of 12, and I started growing a little, bit, and I realized that my giant was actually 5'4". My uncle was like small, and I was like, what, what happened to you? But I'll tell you something about my uncle. I always felt safe around him. I always felt secure. I always felt like everything was going to be all right. I had confidence in him. I had confidence in him. No matter what came our way, when my uncle was around, I just believed it was going to be all right. And I submit to you that it wasn't his size that bred confidence in me. It was the size of my confidence in him. Why am I sharing that with you? What's the size of your confidence in God? What's the size of your confidence in God? Who do you truly say he is? Is your confidence in Jesus as Lord? Is your confidence in Jesus as provider? Is your confidence in Jesus as God Almighty? Is your confidence in Jesus as your protection? Is your confidence in Jesus as your source of peace? Is your confidence in Jesus as master? The scriptures record a time where there were, Jesus had just been crucified and three days pass and, uh, these two women show up at his tomb. And they, were on, they went to the tomb, literally, if you study it out, what you'll see is they went to preserve his body. They went to add extra spices just to pre- pre- preserve him, to keep him alive just a little bit longer in, in bodily form. And they show up and they don't find him in there. And then all of a sudden, while they're in the tomb and they're lamenting, they're saying, who took his body, who stole them? These two angels show up and they say, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He's risen. He told you he's going to rise. So these women are bugging out. They run back to the disciples where they're all hiding out for fear of the religious leaders, right? They're all lamenting, and they go, he's alive. He's actually risen. Now, here's where it gets interesting. None of them believe it. And two of these disciples actually go on a walk. And the scripture records in Luke 24, we're gonna look at that in a minute. I'm just giving you some context here. They go on a seven mile journey, a seven mile walk to a town called Emos. And while they're on this walk, going towards Emos, you gotta understand what's happening. These same disciples were among the disciples who knew what Jesus had said I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be given, I'm going to be handed over, I'm going to be betrayed. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise again. I'm coming back. They had all heard it. They had all witnessed this crucifixion, and yes, somehow they all missed it. So now here these two disciples are walking and lamenting, the scripture records. They're crying, they're complaining, and they're talking amongst each other. They're hurting. And the Bible says that Jesus pulls up right alongside them. And he goes, hey, guys, what are you talking about? I'm paraphrasing here. What are you guys talking about? And I would strongly encourage you, go back to Luke 24 in your own time and check this out. He pulls up and he says, what are you guys talking about? And and, and who are you talking about? And one of the disciples turns to Jesus and says, dude, where are you from? Have you not heard all things concerning Jesus? Where have you been? And Jesus says to them, Oh, guys, don't you know the truth that he had to be given over to be crucified and then on the third day he would rise again? And the scripture says this, that from Moses all through the prophets, in other words, here's what the scripture is saying, everything that was recorded that was known to be the word of God up until that point, he showed them concerning the scriptures everything about himself. He began to teach them and point out, see right here, that's talking about me. And see right here, this is proof that I would die and rise again. And see, get this, God Almighty in the form of a man is walking alongside him. They don't even know it. They don't even know it. You know, I dare say that for some of us, that might actually be our experience. We're walking with Jesus, and we don't, we're not even aware of it. What I love about this uh, biblical record of what happened on that day is that when they get to Emos, the Bible says that Jesus intended to continue walking on ahead, to go further. He wasn't going to stop there. And these guys, they begin to beg him. They say, Jesus, Jesus, please, please. They, actually, they didn't know he was Jesus at that moment. They say, please don't leave us. Stay with us. It's evening time. Share, share a meal with us, and so he stays with them, and the scripture says that he sits down with them, and he breaks, he takes the bread, as they're about to eat dinner, he breaks it, and in the breaking of the bread, their eyes were open and they understood who he was. Yes, sir. They were reminded of the words of Jesus when he said, as often as you take this bread, remember me. It clicked. All of a sudden, he's gone now. Now, here's what's powerful about this. Their eyes are open, and Luke 24, 32 records that the disciples said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us? On the road and opened the scriptures to us. I want you to leave that portion of scripture up for a moment. I want you to see that something was opened that was once closed. They did not understand who Jesus was. They did not understand. They had heard of him. They had walked with him. They had talked to him. They had seen him do great things. But they were oblivious to who he really was. They were not convinced. And the, the term where it talks about their hearts were burning within them. Is a powerful term there because in the Greek, what it actually denotes is it speaks of a consuming fire. A fire that takes one, uh, uh, one form, it takes, takes something in its original form and consumes it to an extent that it leaves it completely different. It's a complete transformation into something that not, it cannot be turned back to its original state, which tells us something. You, yeah. That in this moment, these guys get a revelation of who Jesus is. And they were completely transformed. The scriptures put it this way. I give you a crown of beauty for your ashes. There's a divine exchange that took place in this moment. And their eyes were open. And here's here's what's powerful about this. These guys were walking in the opposite direction. Of where Jesus had told them he would rise again. They just heard it's true, he's risen, but they're running. Don't miss this. They're walking in the opposite direction of where God is showing. And watch what God does. He pulls up alongside them and says, I'll go with you. That's how faithful God is. Now let's bring this a little bit closer to home, friends. Because I can't speak for you, but I can certainly speak for me. Oh, I've been there. I'm doing my thing. I've got my plan. I've got my vision. I've got my purposes. I've got my wants. And I'm doing my thing. Oh, and it feels good, and it's working out great, and everything is just gravy, and yes, God's blessing is all over this, and it's not. But the God who says that even when we are unfaithful, I will remain faithful, that God, your God, my God, God himself, the God that was with you when you got in the car, the God that is with you when you're at work, the God that is with you when you're mad and you're sad, the God that is with you when you want nothing to do with him, the God that has been with you all the time, the God that woke you up, the God that has given you strength, the God that has seen you through, that God has always been walking with you and I. But watch where the release of power is when we actually realize who he is. And that he's walking with us. Thank you, Father. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's when the keys of God's kingdom begin to open doors. Friend, you are one moment away from stepping into the brand new things that God has for Ooh. you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. One moment away. And I dare say, somebody needs to hear this, whether you. you're here or you're, on, you're online, but you need to hear this. Open your eyes. God is with you. God is with you. He's been walking with you the whole time. You ever stop to wonder, how did I make it through what I made it through? God. 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 How is it possible that I made it out of that circumstance? Man, I was under the barrel now i'm telling you my story i wasn't at the bottom of the barrel i was under the barrel. how is it possible that god could take all those burnt bridges and build new ones and create stronger relationships with family with friends people that i had hurt now we're healing together and walking together where once my sisters used to deride me from being a christian now they claim jesus is lord and they're beginning to seek him and seek his guidance and they're beginning to see change Don't tell me that the God that walks with me isn't the same God that walks with you and he can't do what you think is impossible. He is the God of the impossible. He makes all things possible. Why not walk with him in understanding that he's with you the whole time? Some of us might be of the opinion. I came here today because someone invited me. I, I, I'm watching this online because somebody sent me this link. Let me tell you the truth, God. <laughs> Walking with you the whole time. Walking with you the whole time. And so I want to propose to you just three simple things for reflection and application. Because the truth is that what good is the truth if we do nothing with it? What good is God's word? if we don't give it space to be applied. The first thing I want to propose to you comes by way of a question. It's It's an interesting question. The question is, what are you waiting for? What are you actually waiting for? As it pertains to the kingdom of God, as it pertains to a new life, as it pertains to change, as it pertains to new beginnings, as it pertains to the power of God, as it pertains to growing, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Listen, these disciples were with Jesus. And they are complaining to him. And and, and Check this out on your own time. The scripture says that they say to him, man... We we thought that he was the promised Messiah, but he was just a prophet and a teacher who God gave power to. Check it out on your own time. He went from master and Messiah and king of kings and savior of the world, promised one of God to prophet and teacher. They gave up. They gave up. You know, oftentimes, we're busy waiting for the kingdom of God to somehow work in our lives, for God somehow to do something in our, in our lives. I had, a, I had a conversation with some today. They, they said, could you pray for me? And I said, what am I praying? What, what are we praying about? Let's pray. What are we praying about? Could you pray that I uh, change this, this, and that, and that, I, that God makes it possible so that I can begin to grow in this area and I can begin to give these things up? And I said, sweetheart, What are you waiting for? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Again, I'm not here to give you an opinion. Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 20, says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees, he meaning Jesus, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, It's not this superficial thing that you think. It's not religion 101, right? It's not in your sacraments. It's not in your prayers. It's not in your religious hula hoops that you jump through. It's in none of that. It's not in your songs, right? It's not in your religious activity. It's in none of that. He said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here. Or see, therefore, indeed, watch this, the kingdom of God is within you. Indeed. Now, in context, this is powerful because Jesus is talking to people who hate him, people who have rejected him, people who are trying to actually go against his message, and they're saying he's not the Christ. Yeah. The scriptures record that there was a time where they told Jesus, you're not the son of God. You, you actually heal people in the name of a demon. Beelzebub. And and watch what Jesus says to them. You're asking me when the kingdom of God is going to come. And I'm telling you that the kingdom of God, you who claim to be my enemy, the kingdom of God is within you. It's been with you the whole time. Friend, if you've been seeking God, would you fail to realize that he's been seeking you? He's always been with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's been walking with you the whole time. And so Jesus says to them, listen, the kingdom of God isn't a matter of what you're going to observe or when you're going to see it happen. It's already here. You know, one of the saddest states of life is having Jesus alongside you and not even knowing it. Not even knowing it. Friend, there is no need to wait for God. There's no need to wait to take a hold of this kingdom of God. There's no need to wait for a new life to come. It's already here. The scripture declares this. It says that he has given you everything that pertains to life or godli- and godliness. What part don't we understand when the scripture says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing? What part don't we understand when the scripture tells us, hey, I'm with you to the very end of the age? What part don't we understand when the scripture tells us that the wisdom of God has already been made known to us in Christ? What part of the scripture don't we get when the scripture tells us that you have an anointing and you know all things? What part don't we get about the fact that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that you are called, anointed, appointed, and set apart right now. What are you waiting for? Reminds me of a story of a woman who had grown up, she never learned to read. By the grace of God, she raised eight children all by herself. And God brought a man of great influence into her life. This man was a man of much wealth, many means, and he hired her to tend to his personal affairs in his home. And so for years, she worked for this man, and she was able to provide for her children. But herein, at this point of the story, she's lying on her deathbed. She's outlived all her children. She has nothing to her name. And she's laying in this bed, and she has no family, no friends, no loved ones, but she had a neighbor who would come every single day to her house just to check up on her just to talk with her, just to listen to her, just to help feed her, help her somehow, just bring her some comfort. And while she's laying in this bed waiting to die, one day this neighbor shows up and this neighbor says to her, I can't help but notice that you have a frame over your headboard, the headboard of your bed, with a piece of paper that looks old and dilapidated. It looks like it's wrinkled and, you know, frazzled and old and everything. And she goes, oh, That's the one piece of, uh, that's the one thing that I have left from a a man that I worked for who was so good to me for many years. And he gave it to me many years ago, and so I kept it. It brings me comfort, and so I had it put in a frame over my headboard. It reminds me of how good he was to me. And so her neighbor takes interest in this paper, and he leans in. Wipes the, wipes the frame, you know, the, the glass, and he looks, and he begins to read, and he realizes that it is this man's last will and testament, and he bequeathed everything to this woman. The problem was, she didn't know it. Oh I wonder, how many of us, in a sense, have been living spiritually, spiritually illiterate, so what the word of God declares about the inheritance that he's already provided for you as a child of God. Oh, of That's good. Friends, can I just put this plainly? It's time that we open our eyes. God has always been with you. Friend, he's with you right now. He's speaking to you right now. Here we are complaining about life, complaining about problems, complaining about such, situ- complaining about why doesn't God answer my prayers? And He say, I'm right here. You just don't know who I am. So let's get practical about this. How do we shift gears? How do we actually begin to walk with an understanding of who Christ is? How do, how do we apply this to our lives? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus speaks of the attitude that's necessary to know Jesus, to experience this new life in the kingdom. In Matthew 11 verse 12, Jesus, he posits based upon what was going on at the reception of the gospel that he was preaching. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. Here's what Jesus is actually talking about. What he's saying is, I've been preaching this gospel since the days of John the Baptist. There's been this announcement that the kingdom of God is at hand. God is present. The Savior of the world has arrived. Heaven has touched earth. God is closer than you think. He's for you and not against you. And there were people that began to actually believe that. And the attitude of their hearts was, i got to have it i can't let anything anyone nobody no thing nothing get in my way yes brother i am actually going to step right within you yes like right here like right now watch that louis vuitton bag right I, i gotta get like right here because you know what nothing no one nothing no no devil no demon no lie no no religion no person is gonna get in the way of what god has called me to it's time that we take the attitude that says I gotta have it. The next point I want to give you for reflection and application is that God can do more through your surrender than your control. You gotta hear this. You gotta hear this. You gotta really we gotta really consider this. These guys are walking with Jesus. But they're not surrendered to Jesus. They're holding on to control. How do we know that? Because they're anxious. They're restless. They're fearful. Yes, sir. They're lacking direction. We know that because they're walking in the opposite direction of where Jesus would rise. Yes, they knew this. They had heard that he was raised from the dead. And instead of going to the tomb, they walk in the opposite direction. They took control. We're out of here. Scripture tells us that they went into hiding for fear of the Pharisees. And so they're walking in the opposite direction of him. And I've got good news for you. Some encouragement directly from the scriptures on how to relinquish control. Philippians 4, starting at verse 6, says, Be anxious for nothing. One person got that. Can I get two or three, maybe four or five? For how many things? Be anxious for what? Nothing. 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 No. Wait, what about my kids? Nothing. What about my bank account? Nothing. What about my future? Nothing. What about that problem? Nothing. What about these circumstances? Nothing. What about all this heartbreak? Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, he says, by prayer and supplication, in other words, by turning to God and giving it to him. With thanks, giving. Let your request be made known. Watch this. and the peace of God, which surpasses. It goes beyond our thinking. It goes beyond our sight. It goes beyond our feelings, which surpasses all understanding. It guards our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What are we seeing here? Is that peace is not within our control. Peace is within our surrender. I love what Pastor Annette was sharing about this young mom, Onisha. She heard that we. We could actually pray and things could happen. Come on, right. That we could actually turn to God and that God not only hears, but God cares. And in that moment, she's holding on tight to her baby. 28 weeks, born prematurely, my baby has a brain bleed. And they're telling me I gotta wait to see a doctor? You're telling me that there's an issue here? And I've got my baby here at home day in, day out, worrying, anxious, what's going to happen? And she hears, we're going to pray. Bring your prayer request. Go ahead and write it and bring your prayer request. And that mama comes holding her baby in the form of a prayer, and she says, God, she didn't tell anyone what was going on. She told no one what was going on. She kept it personal between her and God. And she said, God, I trust you with my child. Well, you heard you, you heard the testimony. You, you, you saw no evidence of whatever diagnosis it was that they could. No evidence. Listen, the only evidence you need to surrender to God is that he's still God and he's still good and he works out all things for your good. That's the God we serve. Yes, sir. Can I tell you that control is a trap? Control is a trap. It traps us. Surrender to God. He's with you. The last point I want to leave you with here for reflection and application is we can't stop here. We can't stop here. What's here? What are you talking about? If you study the lives of the disciples from this point forward, you'll find that there was a radical transformation in their lives. The book of Acts, I strongly recommend, check it out. But these disciples and others went on to do miraculous things in partnership with God. They eventually changed the world. They turned Rome upside down. They turned Jerusalem upside down. But it's because they understood something. Okay, Jesus, I get who you are. And I get that you really meant that you're with me. But there's always a next step when you're walking with God. There's always a next step in the kingdom of God, friend. Let me show you what I mean from Scripture as we close today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, but we all, watch this, with unveiled face. What is the scripture saying? There's nothing blocking your view anymore. There's nothing in the way anymore. He says, with unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So let me, let me, let me, let me just break that down for you real quick. That word glory there in the Greek is the word doxa. That word doxa, the simplest way I could put it is, that's really who you are? Like, that's really what this means? It's God displayed in his magnificence in a way that changes our perspective. It clarifies it. You really are who you say you are. You really mean what you say you mean in the word. Your promises are really true. And so the scripture says that we with, unfa- with unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror. Now I want you to get this. Track with me here. You go to a mirror for one purpose. To look at you. Some of you do that very well. You probably got here late because you were looking in the mirror just a little too long. And I'm not talking about you ladies. But watch this, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from doxa, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Leave that portion of scripture up. I want you to see what the scripture is saying here, that as you begin to behold who Jesus is, as we begin to grow in an understanding of who he is, we begin to grow in an understanding of who we really are. Come on, what we're really created for. Yes, what God's good plans and purposes are. Yes, you begin to see yourself in a completely different light. And the scripture says that you go from glory to glory to glory to glory, yes, right. to, glory yes, to glory. See, you were once here but here is no longer good enough. It's not good enough for me just to go to church anymore. It's not good enough just to sing some songs. It's not good enough just to pray. It's not good enough just to, you know, get around some people. No, I gotta know this Jesus. I gotta walk with this Jesus. I gotta experience this power. I've gotta test these promises. I gotta see if his word is true. And as we live that way, friends, the scripture says that we're looking in a mirror and what we see is changed. It's transformed. It's an entirely new life in Christ. Come on and give God some praise today. Let's stand here as we close. Yes, sir. Friend, whether you're in the house or you're joining us online or maybe you're catching this afterwards because somebody sent you this link, I submit to you that you have an entirely new life. before you. It's right here. It's right now. And Jesus doesn't put conditions by way of performance. He doesn't say behave and then I'll love you. He doesn't say change and then I'll change things for you he says who am I you know Peter was a man of many mistakes many many mistakes he constantly put his foot in his mouth a couple of weeks later he betrayed Jesus after that moment and yet Jesus says I'm giving you the keys Because I've destined you to walk through some new doors. Friend, stop looking at who you think you are. Start looking at who Jesus is in your life. Start realizing that he's walking with you. Talking to you right now. He's leading you to an entirely new life. The kingdom of God is here, it's at hand taken. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also wanna encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, Uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us and I can't wait to connect with you next week.